welcome to this edition of Veterans for Success, the podcast that actually talks to guys who've been in the military uh, or are still in the military and have got a story to share, which is absolutely amazing. So, Mr. J, thank you from across the pond for joining me today. How are you doing? Doing good. How about yourself? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I'm great. Thanks for asking. So, you know the score. We had a chat before. We've had a few chats before today. Uh, and <laughs> it, we reveal your career, your history as we go along. Uh, and it's, it is it is a fantastic history. So let's jump straight in uh, and let's let's find out a bit about you before you join the military, right? Right. I'm, uh, I'm from Jacksonville, Florida. I grew up in the, I want to say, early 2000s late 90s so coming up in jacksonville during that time before the cell phones it was a different kind of feel to it if that makes sense it was a lot of more it was a lot more interaction yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? a lot more people going outside a lot more stuff you could get into and uh i, I chose I, my my parents did the best they could with me but i just chose to get in trouble it's just how the city is you know what i mean i'm not going to sit here and fabricate my background i, I made a lot of mistakes growing up and I just so happened to have, you know, not made enough to where I could still join the military. And I made the choice to, you know, change my life and change my direction. And instead of going, <laughs> instead of going the route of prison and jail, I chose the route of just, you know, seeing seeing what the military could do. And I joined the army from there. Best move I ever made. Oh, that's that's great. So what sort of what sort of stuff, without going into too much detail, what sort of stuff was happening when you were when you were young? Right before you join the military, Jacksonville, Florida is a murder capital city, and I grew up during the murder capital era. And the thing about a murder capital city, regardless of where you go, you know it's aggressive because there's a lot of aggression out there. It's a PTSD yeah. city, in my opinion. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of mental health you know things that aren't talked about that go on out there, and it's just you know when you sit back and look at it, it's just Man, it's 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 just something you have to experience. It's the best way I could put it. What was what was happening in your life when you just woke up one day, or, or maybe over a period of time, and just thought, "Wow, I've got to get in the military because if I don't, there's only one place I'm going, and they serve prison food that might not be all that nice, not all that tasty." I want to say when when all of my dreams died. I guess I, that's the best way I could put it. When everything that I wanted to do didn't work out. And, you know, I'm looking at the routes of this is either going to be my life. I'm going to be hating the route I'm going on or, you know, I could take this chance. I could do something that I'm scared to do. Wow. And at the end of the day, you know, I can make this move. And the worst that could happen is, you know, we're not even going to think about it. We're just going to jump. And I jump. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for sharing that, because the reason I asked that question is because I get to chat to some fabulous guys, right? men and women and it's always it's always interesting to find out the makeup of them because what i found is it it doesn't matter whether they go the officer stream ordinary rank stream whatever stream it is you've all got a story right and and like i i was i'm pretty much like you if i, I used to knock about with some interesting people before i joined the army uh, and right. uh, <laughs> uh, and I'm really pleased that I I I, I mean I had I had a, a great upbringing um, and the thing is though that some of the people I knocked about with 
were interesting. So it's always good to get feedback. So on on that day where you decided that you wanted to go in, what was the first day like? Who did you join and uh, what were you going through in your mind? Well, the process, I didn't understand the process, you know what I mean? Because it's not like you just joined straight in. They have to, I guess, weed out the weak links. That makes sense. The people that are just there to waste time as opposed to, you know, you really want to do this. So I guess going through that process and seeing, you know, people's mentalities towards joining the military, that that kind of did something for me. But it kind of made me feel like, you know, this is for real. Like, you know what I mean? I'm really I'm really about to do this. I'm about to make the step towards a manhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How old were you, by the way, at this at this point? The first time I tried to join the military, I was 18, and from there, things didn't work out. I tried to join the Air Force, and then I rejoined. I guess where I re went to the recruiting station at 24, right. and it worked out with the army. So, so, so that's interesting because I always like the way because we'll be covering this a little bit later. I always like the way that what you learn from failure because right, we don't get it right all the time, do we? Every time. Right. So right. <laughs> how, how come you failed? And congratulations on failing, by the way. So what, what happened there? Um, growing up in Jacksonville and just like you said, you know, meeting interesting people and being in interesting areas. I got uh, stabbed in a ribcage. Right. So I had to take a break. I had to take a break. And uh, from there, you know what I mean? I had uh, some time to rethink about my life after getting stabbed in the ribs and healing up and yeah. All that good jazz, and it's just you know nothing. There was nothing out there for me in the in the long run, you know. And it, when the doctor said that I could still join, the Air Force may not have wanted me, but the Army would take me. So I'm like, you know, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> take me here. in, take me yeah. in, give me shelter, bro. Give so, me a chance. <laughs> uh, so who did you join? Who did you join then? When you joined. Join. I joined the army and I joined for military intelligence. But around that time, there were some hiccups with my security clearance. So <laughs> after I guess uh, spending ex- an extended time in basic training as a holdover, I uh, decided to roll over into the medical field. So mm-hmm. I became a sixty-eight year of preventive medicine specialist. So you transferred to the medical, uh, and what were you doing? What were you doing in there? What year was this, by the way? Uh, two thousand March two thousand fourteen is when I shipped off to Fort Jackson. Yeah, March two thousand fourteen, and from there, March I left around. I want to say July, like late July, around this time. Around this time, that's when I they gave me the decision to either roll over into the medical field or get out of the military. So it's just, you know, I chose the medical field around this time. So a good couple of months. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So thank you. Where did you go after that? And what did it equip you for? What sort of what sort of role were you doing in the medical corps? Well, from there, after, you know, having your mind stay set on, you know, military intelligence, and I thought I was going to go to Pensacola and have a, have a good time. But, uh, they sent me out to, you know, they sent me out to San Antonio. I went out to the medical, uh, or not the medical, but I went out to, I went out to San Antonio, and from there was probably the best thing that ever happened to me going to Texas. So that that's a big statement. That probably the best thing that ever happened to you. So the best thing what, that ever happened to me. What what was so good about it then? The change of environment and the change in perspective that came with that, definitely. 
Texas is a very welcoming state for those of y'all who know about Texas, because I understand you're across the pond. Texas is a very welcoming state. And during the era and the time that I went there, a lot of people, you know, they they didn't make me feel like I was an outcast as opposed to some other places. It was really, you know, you got the the feeling of brotherhood out there in Texas. And I, I really appreciated that, you know, in hindsight. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's marvelous. How long were you out in Texas for and what sort of jobs did you do while you were there? Coming in as a holdover, I had to wait a little bit. So I spent about a good, I want to say, almost nine months in Texas uh-huh. getting everything together, you know. And from there, there was there were some hiccups along the way. I had to learn some things about the military in regards to, I guess, uh, rank and structure and how to, you know, left, right, left. But there were some, I got my first Article 15. I don't know if you know about those or what y'all call those. No, what's, what's, that, what's Article 15 then? Uh, you know, when they give you a, they give you a, how do you say this? Like a notification for reprimand or something like that when you mess up and they let you know. Oh, yeah. Well, we call it a 252, a charge. 252, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, yeah, so y'all have field grade and uh, yeah. y'all have different versions for yours or no? Well, we have, we have we have different we have different versions of them. A two five two, a two five two is the one where you can get charged for any anything. They, yeah. they, can just, they can just they can just if you sneeze in the wrong place, that's a two five two, right? Right, right. So yeah, so yeah. I mean, I got I got charged two five two for having on an inspection where I'd put too much, too many of my fatigued clothes in the washing machine, but I'd washed them. Oh, man. And, and there was a bit of salt powder under the epaulette, and I got charged, and I got I got restriction of privileges, and I didn't go home on leave for the weekend just because of that. Because they, were, they, wanted, nice. they wanted to break us. Right? We were in basic training. So the job is to break us, and all I did was smile. Because you got to, haven't you? So, yeah, so you've got an Article 15. So what, what happened there then? So I got my first one in basic. Oh, your first, right. Okay. And when you smiled, I laughed. Right, and okay. he just, you know, it set off a chain of events. And from there, it was uh, <laughs> me bumping heads with everybody that, you know, we we had to bay with. And it was just a big testosterone battle, and I didn't back down. So that was my first one. Yeah. That was definitely my first one. And <laughs> And my second one was due to pretty much the same, or not well, not the same scenario, but a different scenario where, uh, you know, when you're talking to somebody with an authoritative position, you have to stand in a certain position, correct? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I forgot to do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that, that, that's just, just a ticket for getting that. The first one, they took away, where you said they took away your leave. Yeah. They yeah. took away a month's worth of pay for me. Wow. Yeah. They did that for the first one. And for the second one, they did two weeks, and I had a month of restriction for both. Wow! But they were very character building experiences. Like I, you know, it's, they didn't play with me. You know, what I mean? <laughs> they, they when you're from, I guess, certain cities in America, they just know the testosterone level is going to be different uh, with these individuals. Yeah. But you gotta you gotta let us know, you know what I mean? And I appreciate it. I, I learned early as opposed to some people that learn late. So so I mean then you were you were the person with attitude then, weren't you? I suppose. It's not that I had attitude, it's just that you know there's a way to lead without ego. You get what yeah. I'm saying? Like lead. Don't sit there and 
just because you have this position and think that you can do this, that, and the third, because I read also. I understand regulations just as well as everybody else. You know what I mean? There are certain levels that you can go. And my thing is, you know, if you want to find out, we can find out. That's just how I am. Yeah. That's how I am. And if, you, if I have a leader that understands that, you know, you have a hard charger, he needs to be with hard chargers as opposed to egotistical, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, don't, yeah. don't have them around here. Like, you know, have leaders with leaders, if that yeah. makes sense. So I was I was one of those. Like, I'm, I'm not against the rules. I wasn't against any of that. But as long as you know how to lead, I'm, I'm there for you. But the moment that you feel like, you know what I mean, because I outrank you, I can do this, that, and the third, we're going to find out. And that was <laughs> something that I had to learn. Not yeah, we're to. Gonna, yeah, we're going to find out sense. our differences, yeah. Because I, I, I always led by firm, the three words, the three Fs, firm, fur, friendly. That's how I always did it. And I, and I also... I also believe that I wouldn't make anyone else do something that I wouldn't do. I like that. I respect that. Yeah. It, even though as a, as you go up the ranks, you might not do it anymore. The fact is that you've done it at some stage. So you gotta know right. you gotta know what the pain's like, you know? Indeed. Yeah. So so you got your article 15. Well, a month's pay and then two weeks pay. Well, that's real tough, that. It's well not that's I'm I'm over exaggerating. It wasn't a month. It was, it was a field grade for the first one. So the maximum punishment for the field grade for the I don't think it was a month. I think it was two weeks. But I got to look up the regulation. It was trash. I'd have to say that. Yeah. Well, well I mean, it's a few weeks. It's a few weeks' pay. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. They definitely take away your money. They definitely take away your money. And that's all I need to do or need to have happen. Like once they took away my money, that was it. So I got my field grade and basic. I got my the lesser one and. AIT and from there I didn't get in trouble again. Not like that at least. So that that was a that was a great lesson then. Apart from that, what other challenges did you face um in the military and then also when you were coming out of the military when you were trying to faced in the military, I want to say is just in regards to dealing with leadership that would in a sense be burnt out. Just to keep it respectful, you know, not to talk down on, you know military but i was just dealing with leadership that in my opinion they were burnt out and they just you know they didn't have the same spark that they did when they first got to their position so i had learned a lot of things the hard way yeah. you know what i mean and as opposed to dealing with somebody that you know really wanted to i guess drive forward and make leaders you know what i mean as opposed to you know it's just dealing with that dealing with leadership that really didn't i guess appreciate the fact that they were leaders that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. What happened when you decided to leave the military and how come you did that? Because I know you've experienced some tough times injury-wise because I can see now it's difficult for you to just sit in one place. So what happened? Yeah. So pretty much dealing with leadership, they would, I guess, uh, reprimand or discipline they would pretty much make me do push-ups and sit-ups on, or do sit-ups on the concrete. And it pretty much, uh, over time, dealing with that and different various injuries from training incidents pretty much caused my back and my spinal cord to get an acute type of injury to where it pretty much ended my military career. But it started off from leadership that, in my opinion, were burnt out, as opposed to, I guess, you know, understanding. Um, when, when you say burnt out, I, I get a feel for what you're saying. 
Just for the guys who are listening, what do you mean by leaders who are burnt out? What was happening to them in their lives to to be like that and come across in that way? When you're dealing with a leader that's going through a divorce and they're too, I guess, prideful to say that they're going through a divorce, so they're taking it out on their subordinates. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about in regards to burnt out. Like they're they're too, I guess, strung out on the military stigma of having to be tough and instead of just dealing with their issues they're taking it out on their yeah. again their subordinates and it goes to that same old story rolls downhill you know what i mean so yeah, yeah, that's yeah, pretty yeah. much what happened I, you can't you gotta walk on eggshells around people i'm trying my best to do my job and it's just like if everything that i do takes you off for the simple fact that you're going through issues that i have nothing to do with and i'm getting the brunt end of it that's just that was the pretty much the beginning to my Military stores basically right. off injury, just like that. So, you know what I mean? so, so I get you. So what you've got is you've got a bunch of guys who are in charge of you. They are getting a bad time at home or in the personal life or something, and then coming in and just letting you guys have it and taking it out on you. In a sense, yeah, in a sense. And it's just they that's tough to deal with when you first start. You get what I mean? Like with when you're first being introduced into the military, just dealing with burnt out leaders. Yeah, And from there, it caused me again to get out. But, you know, I guess uh, to answer your question in regards to why, that's that was it, the injuries. Right, okay. <laughs> the injuries. And how did – so that that's a tough gig, that. Uh, and, and I appreciate where you're coming from uh, because I've got similar uh, pathway out of the military, medically discharged. So I, I appreciate where you're coming from. How difficult did you find that when you were getting out? Because it had been brought brought on without you planning it. Uh, so how difficult was it to transition into City Street? Very, very. Yeah. Because at the uh, time of me getting out, I'm 29 yeah. and I'm just about to turn 30. So I'm, I'm really looking at life from a different angle. Um, my injuries caused me to gain a lot of weight. You know what I mean? Like they started in AIT, but when I got out of AIT, pretty much from every base that I went to, it got worse. So, you know, having to learn how to adjust to, I guess, moving again, if that makes sense. If that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like having to learn how to walk certain places I can't go to because it hurts to go this far. Having to learn that, you know, certain kind of beds I can't sleep on because I'm not going to be able to sleep at all due to my injuries. Having to learn that certain kind of I can't go to the movies. You know what I mean? Because I can't sit down long enough to watch a movie, having to, I guess, or reacclimate or reintroduce myself to a society that doesn't even understand itself. You know what I mean? Like all yeah. that was yeah. tough. I, <laughs> it's, I, it's still looking is. And what help did you get from the military? Um, in regards to the military, they gave a lot of options with the VA. You know what I mean? They gave me people to talk to. They gave me uh yeah. for my injuries, I'm getting, you know, paid for, it, you know what I mean, in regards to that. So that's Regards to my mental health, I'm doing pretty good right there, especially in this economy. But it's just like there are still some things that I feel like need to be, I guess, more openly addressed so that more people or more avenues can. Uh, I guess, in in my opinion, there are more things in regards to the veteran experience that need to be talked about that aren't talked about that need to, I guess, be addressed because it's hard to transition. Nobody trains you for anything out here. It's like you really feel like you're alone in a sense if that if I'm saying that correctly. Yeah, because I remember when we when we had a chat uh, previously, we talked about the the fact that you know you go through some tough training, 
to to take the civilian out of you and build a soldier into you. And then you serve for a period of time. And then at the end, especially if you've got medical issues, they just pop you out the end and they don't train you to be a civilian, do they? No, they don't. And you have to sit there and think about the mental aspect of that. You know what I mean? Like I was saying on our previous conversations, you're a one percenter whether you like it or not, and you're jumping back into the 99. You know what I mean? Like, you know what right and wrong looks like. You know what it's like to be on time for stuff, whether you were or not, whether you were, you know, chaptered out or whether you ended your career honorably. You know what it looks like. So when you jump back into the 99 and they don't care about anything, it's just survival. That's tough to really understand and deal with. You know what I mean? It's an entire different mentality that you're jumping into. You could be sitting there talking to a somebody like a, a nurse or a doctor and from their angle they think they're better than you based off of their career when you've actually been around people in the military that have done way more than they've done and you're just trying to get a perspective on their life and it's just the ego on civilians it's it's hard to deal with you know what i mean especially when you're a veteran that really is still trying to understand what it's like to be a veteran if that makes sense yeah yeah, yeah. so that, that's a very interesting point because and when you're talking about the one percenters, the one percenter is the the percentage of the population that can actually make it in the military. And then when you come out of the military, you're back in with the 99 percenters, which is the general civ pop, civ, civilian population. So, right. and, and that's interesting. That the so you felt to use a bit a word ostracized. You felt when you're coming back into civilian street, they're not understanding the skills you've got. And they might be treating you not in a respectful way. Is that, is that about right? It's not just, it's, it's it's a lot of ego out here, period. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. But it's just when you're, when you're coming out and you've actually done some things with your life, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, as, yeah. A, as compared to a lot of people who have, and it's hard to deal with that because everything you talk about comes off egotistical. Like uh, me, I'm... I'm not afraid to admit I'm I'm a tad bit socially awkward, especially if I don't know you. So like things like interviews and stuff like that, it's, it's yeah. not tough, but it's just I'm going to come off a certain kind of way because I'm overthinking everything. If that makes sense, but uh, you're do, you doing, you doing a great job. You're doing a great job, by the way. Appreciate it. But to a civilian that doesn't, you know, like if I say in a sense, I have PTSD. Like I'm not, I'm not a. Uh, I can be around people, but certain environments with people, I can't be around. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you're explaining that to a civilian, they're going to automatically think, "Oh my God, he's going to jump off the, he's going to jump off the ledge as soon as I clap my hands too loud." It's like they don't, they don't understand. There's levels to things. It's like you know, yeah, yeah. instead of, uh, in my opinion, it's just the constant need to explain things to people. It gets old. That's that's the hardest part about being a veteran, in my opinion. You you feel alone because nobody really understands, and you don't really run into other veterans like that. Yeah. So it's not like, and for those that do, there are communities out there, but for people like me, like I said, I'm not really, I'm socially awkward to a degree due to situation. So it's just like, I'm not really uh, good at making friends. <laughs> so yeah. it's just, you know, for people like me that don't have anybody, it's tough. And that, you know, that's, that's what led me to start my business. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. And by the way, you've got a friend in me now anyway, so we're good to go. Appreciate it. Yeah. What I like about what you've said so far is your life, with all due respect, has been littered, because I know you're successful now and you've been successful in the future. Also, your life has been littered with failure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I want to know how you deal with failure to bring you through that. 
to be completely honest with you, there's a point in life where it's either you're going to be what everybody thinks that you are, or you're going to be who you know you are, and you're the only person that believes in you. Yeah. And when you see how much, I guess, uh, resolve you really have when nobody believes in you and how much you can achieve, you keep going. You know what I mean? And that's just one thing I've learned throughout life is despite how many times I've failed, despite how many times I haven't had anybody to sit there and, you know, pat me on the back or whatever, you know, emotional support that people have, I just keep going. And why stop now? And that's just my thing. If that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, of course it does. That's fabulous. Because because I know uh, this, I, I've got, I appreciate the stuff that goes on in your head, like saying, come on, we got to go, we got to go. So that's fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. What I also want to know is because I know you I know you say that you're socially awkward to use your phraseology. The thing is though, you've still started to develop a network, haven't you? And some people you can depend on, maybe. Strong words, but in a sense, I have a couple of people that I can go to for certain things that I need, in a sense, yeah. yes. And the reason I asked that, right, is is Mr. J, is I because I want you to, I want you to give your version of what's so important about developing a social network, no matter how small it is, and and a, and a and a network that you can count on. How important has that been to you? In today's society, it means a lot because there you really can't do everything alone. You need people, even if it's just you know one guy that knows a network of people that. You don't have to necessarily talk to, but they could talk to for you, the mediator. Like you just need somebody in regards to your mental health. It's not good to spend an extreme amount of time alone in a room. You need to go outside and, you know, talk to people, even if it's just going to the gas station and buying chips and just going to the store and talking to a cashier, like having human interaction. You need that because you're going to get stuck in your head. And that's something that they don't tell you. You know what I mean? Like there have been situations to where, you know, it's not depression, but it's just, Dealing with, I guess, hypervigilance, anger, dealing with, you know, random thoughts of training to where is this person trying to get information out of me for the wrong reasons? And you're hyper paranoid now, like all that stuff. They don't they don't tell you about it. So when you're sitting there looking at it, you can't be like that forever because it's not going to end well. If that makes sense. So you need other people who understand, who can tell you, hey, I went through the same thing. I went through the same thing and it took me a minute. But, you know, I did X, Y, and Z, and it worked out for me. And if you, you know, if you try it, it might or may not work out for you, but at least you have options. And I think, you know, knowing that you have options is the key to everything. But, you know, knowing that, or I guess not knowing, but the best way to say it, in my opinion, is just you you have to drop your pride and understand at the end of the day, no, you're not in there. The the network that you had while in, they're still doing their job. Like, you need people. So, you know if the stereotype is the stereotype with us as far as a uh, suicide and homicide, and that can be, you know, attested to many things, but one of the big factors are, you know, people felt alone. Common sense says to do, do the opposite, go talk to people, you know what I'm saying? Do everything you can to, I guess, beat the feeling of loneliness. And that's what I did. And that's, you know, it, it worked out for me. So I'm just showing in my own way for people who were like me that have a tough time talking with people that, you know, it's possible. <laughs> It's possible. It just yeah. takes time. And thank yeah. you. Thank you for being 
Showing up with me with me and being vulnerable because I mean that's what we've got to be, isn't it? Vulnerable. And what I want to know now is I want to I want to talk about your success, right? Because I know that at present you're in dialogue with the Guinness Book of Records, world records. So tell me a little bit about that, then, please, Mister J. I started uh started writing books. I wrote my first book the month before I got out of service. I wrote my first book, and from there. Pretty much, I didn't get any support for it. <laughs> and I wrote my second book, and I didn't get any support for it. And instead of getting mad, I thought to myself, you know, maybe maybe I need to do something big that'll get attention. I just continued, and I just, <laughs> I just continued to write books. I just continued to write books based off of life events that I've been through, and it was therapeutic for me, like getting everything out. Because, again, I'm, it's not easy for me to talk to people. It's really not because there's the way that I want to say things. I know for a fact it's going to come off the wrong way, if that makes sense. And, you know, when you're going through it, you don't feel like, I guess, explaining it. You yeah. don't feel like letting it out. So uh, my happy medium was writing books. And I just so happened I had that, that much aggression built up that I wrote over 1,200. You know what I mean? I, I wrote that world record. Yeah. And the moment I got to, the moment I beat the world record to be complete, completely honest with you, I wrote, I guess, that much more because it was just, you know, it, it's a you can't explain that feeling. You know what I mean? Like really jumping out and knocking out that much work in that amount of time. It's 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 a it's an amazing feeling to have. You know what I mean? So we'll see. I'm, I'm in the process. I'm waiting, but we'll, we'll see. How many books have you written now today? Written and published, I want to say 1,200 and 27. I want to say that. 1,227. So that's 1,227 books written and published. And in what time period did you do that? From writing my first book in 2019 and publishing that to the end of or the beginning of July 1st is when I finished everything as far as uploading everything. So July 1st, 2023. July 1st this year? Correct. Yes. That's fabulous, that mate. It took me it took me three years to write to write one book. Well, it's three books actually. So one thousand two hundred and twenty seven books, right? And and what was the purpose? Because apart from getting getting shut of or getting rid of a little bit of anger or maybe a lot of anger, what else? <laughs> in fact, there was probably quite a bit of anger in there. One thousand two hundred. <laughs> What what was the purpose of writing? What did you want to achieve by doing it? To be completely honest, I wanted to put out in my own kind of way for people who will eventually buy the books to have, I guess, uh, a medium for them to get it out. It's a, My books are interactive, so they're pretty much me. For people who are tough at conversations, they're, they're small conversation pieces. Right. So for, you know, I say my piece, and then, you know, from there... You can literally write down everything that you're going through in regards to that scenario that, you know, you bought the book for. And uh, it's for people that, you know, have a tough time talking about it. So you at least you can write it down, read it, say it out loud and say, you know what? This really sounds like I needed to go over here in regards to, you know, dealing with this because you're saying it out loud and finally getting it out. That's what a lot of people don't actually do. They just hold it in <laughs> forever. You know what I mean? So I, I, in my opinion, if I had that much anger and I'm able to write about it, well, you know, some people aren't able to write about it. Some people take the wrong routes. 
So I, I decided to, I guess, uh, be the change and show, I guess, uh, there are other options that, that you can go with in regards to dealing with your anger. You know what I mean? Like, because not all of us are suicidal. Some of us really deal with extreme anger. And I think that's one of the things that once you drop your pride and, you know, talk to people, other people that have been through it, you'll slowly realize, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just me showing, I guess, in a sense that uh, you have options. <laughs> Definitely. And you've always got options. So where can pe- how can people get, Copies of these books, where would they go to get a copy of the books? You can go to 4 hfvibesorg and from there you can click the link and it'll send you directly to Amazon. All my books can be found on Amazon. Easily accessible, they can get shipped to you in no time. And they're for currently for $555 US cheap. <laughs> yeah, and so once again, what's that what's that website called? Or the number four hfvibes dot org. That's, That's where you can find. Brilliant. So thank you for sharing that. And and I'm sure if uh, if you want to get copies of these books, they are fabulous, really well priced. And I know what you want to do with your website as well, because you want to help a load of people, don't you? I mean, your mission now is to help as many veterans as you can. Yeah, at this point, because I'd rather you know. I'd rather do everything I can to beat the stereotype with us because after experiencing what it's like to be a veteran, I really understand why certain things are the way they are. And most of it really comes from pride being, you know, again, vulnerable enough to say, I'm not good at making friends. I'm not good at talking to people because I talk a certain kind of way. And at this point in life, I'm not going to change that. You know what I mean? But it's just like, I'm making effort to be, I guess, a better person and show that for people like us, there are still options out here. There are still options out here. You don't have to give up. You don't have to sit there and make excuses about it and drink yourself into, I guess, a situation. There's more that you can do. So I'm just, I guess, uh, I hope I'm answering your question. That's Yeah, yeah, def- definitely. And thank you for your service and for what you're doing and your aims and objectives, which is the reason why I have this podcast, because I just love the experience, the, the versatility, and, and also the different types of people I have on here because it's just great from different walks of life, different levels of success. And talking about success, how transferable do you think the skills are that you learned about in the military and that were trained into, if you like? How how have they served you now while you're out on Civvy Street? The military gave me a massive amount of transferable skills that I'm extremely, I'm extremely grateful for. And before you actually get out, they set you up there. It's called uh, for the army. I know they gave us the uh, soldier for life program. Like from there, they pretty much give you options and things that'll, they, they give you, they give you a blueprint for success before you get out. Whether you listen to it or not is on you, but they, they give <laughs> you a blueprint. You know what I mean? Good. The Colombo question, it's the just one more thing, is what's the one big tip you give to a, a guy, male or female, who's going to leave the military or maybe is already out in the military, a veteran who is having maybe tough times or is having success? When you meet other veterans, speak. <laughs> say, hey, you know what I mean? Like, don't don't act, I guess, standoffish. It's, it's okay to say... Uh, you know, thank you for your service to other veterans. It's okay to talk to other veterans. It's okay to, I guess, not live in the past, whether you've had good or bad experiences. 
with the VA, whether it's or with your military branch or with other military branches. It's okay to be different. It's okay to, I guess, not take out past experiences on new people. It's okay to, you know, tell others that you're having a tough time because regardless of what you think, we all are. You know what I mean? Like it's it's okay. It's okay to be yourself. It's okay to it's it's okay to, I guess, it's okay to say you're angry. And at the end of the day, as long as you're finding healthy ways to deal with it, that's that's the best you can do. And as long as you're doing the best you can do, nothing else really matters. You know what I mean? Like it's it's okay to be vulnerable. You don't have to boo who cry, but it's it's okay to take the take the helmet off, take the rank off, and just be a human being. You know what I mean? Like it's it's okay. If I can put anything else out there, it's just no. Like for me, it's it's okay. <laughs> Yeah. Well, thank you, and Mr. J. Thank you for your service. And I know I I only want to keep you sitting for the least amount of time as possible because I know how how it affects you. So thank you so much for your service. Thanks so much for your time. Um, we're going to keep in touch definitely. Thank you. Thank you for having me.